Amen. Good morning. You may be seated. Maybe seated. God is good. Amen. For those of you who were hoping to see Kendall this morning, I apologize. <laughs> you have me instead. I hope that's okay. Uh, my name is Caleb Castro. I'm one of the pastors here at Fredonia Hill, and I'm so happy to be spending uh, New Year's Eve with you. Feliz Año Nuevo. There's a new, new phrase I'm going to teach you today. Feliz Año Nuevo. Good job. So, Feliz Navidad is over. You know, Feliz Año Nuevo. Here we are, December 31st. Um, some of you have been looking forward to, to the new year for a long time. Some of you have budgets ready and lined out. Uh, some of you have a dream board all ready to go and, and ready to hit the new year. Um, some of you are like me, still in November, um, still in Thanksgiving, is trying to figure out where Christmas went, what happened. Um, and that's okay. We're going to get there. We're going to get there, um, whether we want to or not. And uh, the reality is... Um, there's always something new. There's always something unknown. There's always something that we will face um, that is new to us, and it brings a lot in us. It brings, uh, whether it's a new job, whether it's a new way of life, or moving to a new city, maybe moving to a new state, or perhaps just a new year, uh, there is excitement and also fear of the unknown. In 1999, uh, David Castro and Luisa Castro, my parents are sitting over there. They didn't know I was going to call them out today. Um, raise your hand, say, hey, here we are. Yeah, it's my parents over there. <laughs> they decided to take my sisters and I to, uh, on New Year's Eve, to Rio Bravo, Tamaulipas. I just said a lot of things. Rio Bravo, Tamaulipas is a, is a, is a city in Mexico. That's where my mom was born. And it, uh, it is very close to the border between Mexico and Loreto. Um, and uh, in the U.S. And so we went there, uh, not necessarily because that's where my mom was born, but uh, my dad's, one of my dad's sisters, there's like 10 of them, one of my dad's sisters um, and her husband, they lead a church there. Um, and we went to just be with them for the new year. Now, it is customary in Protestant churches in Mexico to hold services on New Year's Eve from about 6 p.m., depends on the church, 6 p.m., 8 p.m., all the way to midnight. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, there are some churches here in the United States, and even here in Nacogdoches, if they're kind of first-generation uh, Hispanic, they, will, they still do this. And I know of some that will be doing this tonight. To so where they gather together, um, they bring, people in the congregation bring special music. I know some of you are getting excited. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, they, they, we sing congregationally, we hear a word uh, from the Lord, and then probably the last 45 minutes is spent on our knees in prayer, uh, ready to enter and receive the new year. And so I don't remember why we went in 1999. I asked this when we gathered for Christmas. My parents didn't have an answer. That's okay. I don't remember. I just remember that we went. Um, and 19, is anybody here conscious of 1999? Raise your hand if you knew what was going on. What was going on in 1999? Y2K. <laughs> so computers were going to, you know, break. Everything was going to fall apart. Uh, the economy, everything. Um, it, for Christians, Jesus was returning. This was the year 2000, so 2,000 years from his departure. 
Um, if for, in Mexico, aliens were a big thing at the time. So aliens were going to come, return, and conquer uh, the land that they once gave to the Aztecs. And that's why we had pyramids. And somehow they were going to become allies with the Chupacabra and take over Mexico. So I don't know. There was a lot going on for a 10-year-old at that time. And some were witches were thrown in there. I don't know. But just so you know, New Year's is kind of a, uh, I don't know how I feel about it for me. Uh, but there was this fear of the unknown. There was this fear of the new for us in 1999. Um, we just did not know what was going to happen next. And it is in this state, it is in this mindset that we find the people of Israel uh, as they're about to enter the promised land. This is where we find the book of Joshua. Um, as we read, uh, and, and we're going to go through this together, but we, we, we see how the people of Israel will react and probably what's coming to their minds as they face the new. Often how we face the new and the unknown uh, says a lot about us. It determines a lot about where we put our trust in. It determines uh, what we will do and how we will react to that fear that, that can come to us. So we find the Israelites here. They are ready for a place to dwell. They're ready for a place to call home. They are ready for peace. They're ready to come out of the wilderness and into the home that was promised to them long ago through Abraham. And so, yay, here comes the new. Here comes the exciting. And Moses dies. So Moses is dead. And they're probably wondering, what now? Who will lead them and in whom will they trust? Um, if you haven't read the Old Testament or you're just new here, this, this is your first time coming to a church. Um, the people of Israel were in captivity in, in, uh, in Egypt. And if you've been coming here for a while, you know that we've been studying the book of Exodus. And we've seen how uh, the Lord has called Moses to help take the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and to the promised land. Now, in this process, he has taught them many things. He has provided for them in many ways. Uh, whether it's food or protection, he has led the way. And Moses has been the mediator. Moses has been helping through all this time. In fact, they came close to conquering the promised land 40 years prior to where we are now in the book of, of Joshua. Uh, they sent 12 spies, and we'll, go, we'll get into that a little bit uh, later. But they sent 12 spies to uh, look at the land and report back. Uh, but they were fearful, and they did not think that they could take over this land. Um, and instead of doing what God said, they were fearful. They did not do it. There were two who said, we can totally do it. Jesus, the, I'm sorry, <laughs> the Lord is with us. Let's do this. And uh, they were Joshua and Caleb. <clears throat> so yeah. trust in me. Here we go. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so what happened is because of this disobedience, uh, God waited for this rebellious uh, generation to die. And so what he did is he, he sent them on the wilderness again. Uh, some scholars believe that they just ran around in circles in the same spots for 40 years, uh, waiting for this generation that was rebellious and that did not trust in the Lord, the Lord who had taken them out of captivity and provided in miraculous ways. They disobeyed. But now it was time to take that land. The faithful were ready. So it is today that I want us to look at Joshua uh, one through nine, I sort of split it in two parts. First, I want to look at the promised promise uh, in Joshua chapter one, one through five. And then I want to look at the challenge for us, the challenge that was for them, but a challenge that we can now uh, find ourselves today and how it can help us today. So if you're looking at your Bibles, Joshua uh, 
chapter 1, verse 1. We'll start there as Emily read today. Thank you, Emily, by the way, for reading today. So here we go. Chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. So many titles for Joshua. He says on verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, into the land that I am given to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. So the Lord is calling Joshua to step into this new role as the new mediator between uh, the Lord and his people. And this was no easy task. In fact, uh, if you read through all of Joshua, you see that Joshua doesn't really earn that title of servant of the Lord until Joshua's dead. <laughs> Joshua dies and he finally is called the servant of the Lord, a title that was held by Moses uh, only throughout all the, uh, uh, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, and so he, he, the Lord calls Joshua in order to answer the what now, a, a question that was probably in the Israelites' minds uh, all through this. Um, and to be honest, it, it had become kind of a practice of the Israelites to, to complain anytime things got difficult. If you go through the narrative of Scripture, they always said, oh, that we could go back to Egypt, that we could go back to what we knew, even if that means being slaves to the Egyptians, even if that means uh, being mistreated. And, and we see this many times in Scripture. And the truth is, in fear, they defaulted that to which they only knew. Um, in fear, we default to the things that we know. Uh, even if that thing was bad for us, even if that stayed or, or that time, just it was bad for us, we tend to default to that in fear because it's all we knew. They could not see a better future because they failed to trust in God. But God call, the Lord calls them now to a, a land that is already there, theirs. And that's why I say a promised promise, because this was already theirs. All they had to do was trust in the Lord and conquer this land. So it's not a new promise, but God just being faithful through time, being, being faithful to who he is. Um, and just uh, for those of you who want to know where well does it say that, uh, Genesis 15, 18, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Genesis 15, 18. And we can see where... The Lord gives this land to Abram. Genesis 15, 18. I think we have it on the screen. It says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And he goes on explaining that land. So this is a promise that God is fulfilling. And the land was a great land. Uh, the Bible tells us that it's a, a land of uh, milk and honey. When I was little and we would go to Sunday school in Mexico and they would tell us about the land flowing with milk and honey. And I would imagine how cool to grab your bowl, put cereal in it and just go to some river and scoop out the milk. <laughs> right. Or you want to sweeten something. You just walk up to the, where this honey is and get it. Uh, but this, it was not like that. Um, however, last year, my wife and I, we got to we got the privilege to go uh, to the Holy Land. And um, as we're driving with our tour guide, he was just telling us about how the nation of Israel has become one of the major exporters of a lot of fruit and, and vegetables. And as you're driving and he's explaining, he's pointing out just, oh yeah, we grow these kinds of crops there and these kinds of crops there. 
And you look at the land, and it doesn't look anything like American farming. <laughs> like, it just doesn't look green. It doesn't look lush. It looks like hard terrain. And I just wonder, what, what, is, what is the deal? Why doesn't it look like a land flowing with milk and honey? Like, I was just wondering that. And then you eat their food, and you go, oh, my goodness. There's sweetness that beyond compare. Their food is good. It's almost as if anything they put on the ground just... Is, is, is fruitful, and it's amazing. God really prepared them, and there was a reason why God made this land this way. And it just comes to show that what God gives us, even though to our eyes may not be good, God is preparing us for something better. So here's the land, a wonderful land that was promised to Abraham, and now is there for the taking. But Moses is dead, and so the Lord says, Joshua, I need you to step up. You are to be now the servant of the Lord. And so here's, here's where we start. In verse 5, he says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Here's that promise. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you, and I will not leave you or forsake you. And that, that line of just as I was with Moses, it's a very important line. We read it sometimes, nonchalantly, just going through it. But to the people of Israel, they knew just the type of relationship that existed between God and Moses. Um, if we go to Numbers chapter 12, Numbers chapter 12, uh, we see, we get a glimpse of just what this, uh, what this relationship was like. Uh, you're familiar, I'm sure, with this story, uh, but Miriam and Aaron were trying to oppose Moses, and God kind of calls them out, so he takes them out together, all three, and on Numbers 12, chapter 12, verse 6, he says this. This is the Lord speaking. He said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. So if, if I'm going to speak to you through a prophet, it's going to be in a vision and through a dream. There is a specification. And then look at verse 7. But not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? What a high honor. What a high honor and what a promise. And the Lord says, just as I was with him, I'll be with you. I'll not forsake you. And so there's this promise that is given to him. And, and what the Lord is doing, he's reminded him. We find this in Scripture time and time again. God is reminding us of the things that he has done in our lives, the goodness that he has come, the promises that he has filled to prepare us because he's about to challenge us. And this is the challenge that he gives to Joshua. Look at verse 6. He says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. So he's retelling, this is what I already promised, and you shall be strong and courageous to do this. But verse 7, uh, look, look at what happens. He says, Only be strong and very courageous. So, okay, Lord, why are you repeating this again? You already told me to be strong and courageous, and you're telling me again. Well, many of you know, and if you don't know, you'll learn here this today. In Scripture, when something is repeated, it means pay attention. Pay close attention to what's happening. And not only that, but uh, the, the narrative of Scripture tends to develop on a previous thought. And so he's saying, yes, be strong and courageous. And now we're going to see what are we to be very strong and courageous in. He says, 
Verse 7, only be strong and courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that all that the law of Moses, uh, my servant, commanded you. So is, this, is it in our own strength? Is it in our own intelligence? Is it by the, the army of the people? No, it is by doing, but by according to following the law that Moses had commanded. And he says, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. I think this is important to note, that he says to be strong and courageous, to do according to the law that Moses has commanded, and to not turn from it. Verse 8, he continues to develop this idea. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, so it, it ought to be repeated. You ought to read it, you ought to repeat it, you ought to say it. And you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do, here it is again, to do according to all that it is written. So now the idea continues to develop. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Um, if you don't know, the book of the law is the, is the Pentateuch, is the five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And so here is this challenge. God is saying, be strong and courageous. In verse 9, he continues this with a promise. Are you ready? Verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Third time. We really ought to be paying attention here. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Like I said, whenever we see something in Scripture more than once, we need to be paying attention. Joshua and the people of Israel are commanded to be strong, but, but... not in their own power, not in their army, not in their own strength. And they are to not fear, just like they did 40 years prior. They are to believe that God is the one who's going to deliver them. And why does he do this? Because the Lord knows that they eventually will fail. He's trying to give them a warning. Do this, do this, and do not depart. Because when you do, you will fail. And because the Lord must remind them that he is faithful. And no matter what happens, he's going to remain true to his covenant promise to his people. Spoiler alert, they do conquer the promised land. So if you have not read, I'm sorry to spoil the story for you. Uh, They do come into the promised land. Many followed uh, the Lord in Joshua. And Joshua was faithful until the end, uh, until his death. Um, Now you might be wondering, Caleb, that's great. We love this biblical story. Yes, we ought to be strong and courageous. How does this impact us today, and what does this mean for us as we enter the new year, 2024? And I'm so glad you asked that question without me prompting it or, you know, in any way trying to make it sound like this is what you said to me. There is a study in biblical theology called typology. And if any of you know me, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to theology and, and yeah, school. But we'll talk about that later. And so this field of biblical theology looks at biblical figures and how they are a type of Christ. And when I say type, I mean like figure. They kind of represent an aspect of what Christ fulfills. And so Moses is a type or figure of Christ because he was the mediator between the Lord and the people of Israel. And so Christ is the mediator between the Lord and all of his people. Um, Christ uh, is the mediator between God the Father and humanity. But the work of Christ is always greater. Uh, Dr. Hamilton, who is studying in this area of typology, says that these types or these figures are promised-shaped 
patterns. And I just thought that was such a cool way to put it. Promised shape patterns. That the, In the Old Testament, we can find these promised shape pa- patterns that find fulfillment in Christ and that find even greater fulfillment in Christ. So how do we see this? How do, how do, we, how do we connect this to Christ? Well, see, Joshua was no accidental leader. He didn't just, God didn't just go, uh, you. You kind of look strong and I, I kind of like you. Joshua, from very early, was being prepared to take on this role. Um, and in fact, his name was changed. Did you know that? Did you know that Joshua was not his original name? Let's go to Numbers chapter 13. I want to show you this. Numbers chapter 13, verse 8. This is where uh, we're getting a description of the spies that are going to go and, and scout the land, right, these 40 years prior. And in chapter uh, 13, verse 8 of Numbers, it says, From the tribe, oh, verse 8, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun, remember Joshua, the son of Nun? This is the same guy. Hoshea, the son of Nun, from, uh, is called into, uh, as one of the spies. We go to verse 16 on the same chapter. So just go a little bit forward and make your eyes go down or to the right. Or maybe next page, depending on what you got. No judgment. Uh, verse 16 says, These were the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Interesting. Changed his name. <clears throat> if you, I'm, no, I'm no Hebrew scholar, but I kind of did some digging. Hoshea means, the name has a meaning. Meaning in the Bible, all names have some sort of meaning. And there's a reason why God changes their names or, or why God instructs people to, or leaders to change people's names. Hoshea means salvation. Our Bibles show that it was changed to Joshua. But in the, Old, in the Old Testament in Hebrew, his name is actually Jehoshua. Now, Jehoshua means, it's a, it's a variation of Yahweh. It means the Lord saves, Yahweh saves. So it was through this name that the people were to remember, as he's leading, Joshua, follow Joshua. What are they thinking? Follow Jehoshua. They're thinking, Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. And it is the Lord that is guiding, not Joshua. It is the Lord that saves. So, okay, well, that's Jehoshua. That's cool. Um, but the name kind of shifts a little. If we go to Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verse 17, look at what happens. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. For from the days of Yeshua, the son of Nun, interesting. The name changed a little bit, didn't it? Now it's Yeshua, the son of Nun. To that day, the people of Israel had not done so, and there was great rejoicing. Want to know something cool? What do you think the name of Jesus is in Hebrew? In Hebrew, Jesus is Yeshua. Yeshua, Yahweh saves. Here's this connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament where he says, Yeshua, the Lord, is the one who saves. We believe in the name of Jesus because he is the one who saves. So while through Joshua, the people of Israel found a new beginning, it is in and through Christ that we find a new beginning in life. While Joshua was strong and courageous to do all that the Lord had commanded him, Jesus was strong and courageous to do the Father's will. Joshua brings the people of Israel out of the wilderness uh, of the desert and into the promised land. Jesus brings all people out of the wilderness of sin and death and into the kingdom of God. Joshua took on the role of servant of the Lord. 
Jesus takes on the role of servant king. Joshua died and was buried. Jesus was crucified. He died and was buried. But unlike Joshua, Jesus did not stay there. Jesus resurrected on the third day, proving who he really was, who he said he was, the son of God, the alpha, the omega, the king of kings. And while Joshua brought rest to the Israelites for some time, Jesus brings us rest and peace for all of eternity. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I mean, if that doesn't blow your mind, <laughs> look at it to me. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it's just amazing how the word of God never returns void. And the Lord says to Joshua, I will not forsake you. I will be with you wherever you go. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. He does not leave us or forsake us. And he's with us everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. So how should we enter the new year? How should we look at this newness of life with fear and trembling or with excitement for all the things that we might be able to do for our, for, by our own power? That's something that I think um, I'm going to leave to you to think about and to, for the Holy Spirit to uh, impress upon you. I shared with you early a story about what happened in 1999 and going into 2000. Uh, we're still here, so the aliens didn't come, the chupacabra didn't get us. Uh, it's, it's in Mexico, we're fine, we're good. Y'all have something else here, I don't even know what it's called. Boogeyman, I think. And, but I think about that time, I think about that evening a lot. I think about those last 30 minutes. Um, you see, those last 30 minutes, everything in this world lost meaning for me. Now, I was 10 years old at the time. And uh, I told my wife, well, she tells me, you remember more about your childhood than you do today about anything. And I'm like, that's true. I get up and go to the fridge and forget why I went there. So, you know, <laughs> it's just growing old, I guess. Um, but I remember at 10 years old, I was ready to get a job. Time just flows different in Mexico. I was ready to get a job. I was ready to grow up. And I had all these dreams and goals that I wanted to do. And as we're sitting in, in this service, and the music is going, and the pastor's calling for everybody to repent, it was also my uncle, so it was interesting, um, I began to, to wonder and fear at the fact that I would never grow old, that if Jesus did return at, at, at midnight, I would never get married, I would never have kids, um, I would never experience the joy of financial debt or budgeting. <laughs> I, I was fearful and saddened about, that I would never experience just life here on earth. But in those last 30 minutes, I remember all I could think about was Jesus. And I said, if this is happening, if he is coming, then nothing else matters. I was ready to meet him. Uh, every worry that I had about the future of the what ifs faded in the background. Uh, he was all that mattered. And I, and I think about that moment a lot. In those last 30 minutes, I experienced peace and joy like no other. And I think it was because, I believe it was because my thoughts and my heart were fixed on Jesus and nothing else. I, I honestly was ready for the roof to open and just, let's go. I was ready. And I wonder if we struggle to find peace and joy in life to overcome fear, 
to overcome the unknown because our eyes are not fixed on Jesus and they're not fixed on his word. The distractions of life, because we have to live life. I mean, that, that is kind of where we are, um, can distract us from the good that we can find in him. And so I want to leave you with one word, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, says the Lord, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We should come into the new year with courage, but not courage in our own strength, in our budgets, or in anything that we can come up and muster ourselves, but in courage in the one who saves. Yeshua, the Lord saves, the one who is faithful, and the one who has promised to never forsake us. Church, it's time to practice what we say we believe. We believe in Christ, his death, resurrection, and that right now he really is seated at the right hand of the Father with all authority on heaven, on earth, and under the earth, giving to him then we must live according to that truth. Trusting in his word and doing everything that we can to be the disciples that he commands us to be. So uh, as we approach to the end, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let me ask you to stand. I'm going to ask prayer partners to uh, go to the back, any of our elders, prayer partners. If you're visiting with us, perhaps... Or perhaps you've been here for a long time and you do not claim yet the Lord, the name of Jesus Christ. Today is the day. Find someone next to you or around you. We, we here practice prayer. We want to practice for one, prayer for one another. And it is time for a new beginning. While the Israelites found a new beginning in, in Joshua, found a new land to conquer, Christ gives us new life an eternal life that we get to spend with him. Listen to his voice and come to him. Believe in his name. Believe in his name and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the truth that only he can provide and be adopted into the family of God. Close your eyes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the year that you have given us. Lord, as we come face to face with a new year, Remove our fears. Remove our doubts. Lord, remove our pride and give us courage. Give us strength that we may find, that we may find those two things in you and in your word. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice on the cross for our sins. We praise you, Lord, for you resurrected and you are king over all. May we, may we obey your every command as you obeyed the Father. And Jesus, we long for your return. Holy Spirit, fill us. Guide us. Convict us of sin and wrongdoing. Holy Spirit, may you be that bright light to those who believe in the name that is above every name. The name of Jesus Christ. I pray for everyone here today. Those who are watching us through the live stream and those who could not be here with us today. I pray for the hurting God, for those who have suffered loss and for those at times this find difficult because of that loss, I pray for those who feel like they are not near you or you are not near them. May they feel your presence. We thank you, Lord, and now help us as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Respond to God's word.